What's up, Dill? How you doing? A while. Virtual. It's uh, I'm in my garage right now trying to, you know, set this thing up. But yeah, how long do you think it's been since we've done a virtual podcast? Uh, Three, four months, probably. I mean, for a while, I mean, when we first started, obviously, the only option was virtual. Then with Mm. not knowing the how the vaccine was going to be handled, not knowing how COVID and how everything was going to be open. We, we really started this way virtual and it, we were blessed to finally be able to be in person. It's kind of weird to return to this setting. Yeah, but it's just for the week, you know, our schedules did conflict, conflict, pardon me and everything, but uh, welcome to episode number 73 of Dylan. I'll talk NFL. We did have uh, week two, obviously, has just wrapped up about 24 hours ago in the NFL. We will break down all the action, including the five games that we did. And they try to keep in that format of breaking down just a little nugget from each and every game from week two in the NFL. And then we obviously do turn our focus into week three as we are less than 48 hours away from the Panthers and the Texans on Thursday night football. New starting quarterback for the Texans. That'll be interesting to watch Davis Mills as another rookie will get his shot in the league. And then we have a couple other games that we'll be breaking down. And then continuing our new theme with the player spotlight, you know, focusing on the lesser players in the NFL, the more unknown players. I shouldn't say lesser players. Obviously, you know, you have to be pretty good at your uh, craft to be an NFL player, but a little bit of the lesser known players. We're going to spotlight them and having a big game. I have a receiver from the Minnesota Vikings. Alex, I'd like to see who you have. But we will get to that at the very end of today's show. But we are always going to lead off with our fantasy teams. Um, you want to? Uh, you're two and zero. I saw. So uh, how about you break down your uh, week two victory? About halfway through Sunday, I was looking at my score and I was down. I want to say 30, 40 points. I think the score was like ninety three to fifty, something like that. I was getting real nervous. You know, I was like, all right, it's going to be a blowout. None of my players were performing. And, and at the time, I mean, it was still kind of in that early window, but Derrick Henry had about five points. I come to find later in the day when I recheck, Derrick Henry had 47 points. I'm now in a lead. It's 164 to 110 at the end of Sunday night. I'm thinking, okay, I got a 54-point lead. He has two guys left, though, and I'm really worried. TJ Hawkinson and Aaron Rodgers. I'm thinking if these guys combine for 54, I'm screwed. And I'm thinking if anyone's going to do it, it's these two guys. Aaron Rodgers is the key to his offensive success. TJ Hawkinson is the best thing we have on the Lions. I'm real worried. I'm watching that game. It comes down to 163 to 164 with four minutes left. Aaron Rodgers needs one throw. TJ Hawkinson needs one catch. And I would have lost the game. Well, what do the Packers do? They take out Aaron Rodgers. They put in Jordan Love. TJ Hawkinson, I don't think he got another reception. And Aaron Rodgers actually lost a point. So I ended up winning 164 to 162. I was so nervous, but just barely squeaking by with my second victory. And uh, it, this is the first time in fantasy football ever where I've started 2-0. So it's a it's a new feeling for me. That being said, how, how'd your team do, Dill? I know you kind of I took was... it out. I, I was the only team in the league this week to score under 100 points. Mm-hmm. Everybody else. I was just looking through the scores while you were talking. In our 12-team league, 11 teams scored over 100 points, and I was the only one that didn't. I had 92. I lost 106 to 92. 
Uh, just, you know, some mistakes. Um, starting the Cardinals defense, I thought against the Vikings that that would be a good start. They had negative one. My bench defense, the Colts had 10. Obviously, that blunder on that touchdown that we'll talk about later really helped them out in uh, yeah. terms of the defensive special teams. Um, I had three other players go over 15 points on my bench. I had Cortland Sutton with 24, Mike Williams with 21, and James White with 18. So if I would have replaced any of those three players, uh, probably, you know, in replacement of Robbie Anderson, um, I would have won if I would have replaced him with Sutton and then with Mike Williams. James White still would have lost by, it looks like, two. But, you know, tough loss, one and one in the season. I'm definitely starting Sutton this week. Anderson will be sitting on the bench, and Anderson will probably put up 25 points, so. But That's the way it goes. One and one. It's early in the fantasy season. I did have a little bit of a slow start last year. I ended up winning the league. So uh, we'll see from there. But uh, enough of our fantasy teams. I, I know you guys don't want to hear about it. Let's get into the week two review. We're going to lead off with the Thursday night game, which was a, a very good Thursday night game. Barring the Lions Packers Monday nighter this week and the Bears Rams Sunday nighter last week, we have really gotten blessed with some good primetime action. Even between two bad teams, the Washington football team took on the Giants. They beat them 30 to 29. Uh, Game winning field goal by Dustin Hopkins at the buzzer. He had to kick it twice. Obviously, uh, Dexter Lawrence for the Giants got that offsides penalty. A little controversial on that. Um, Hopkins ended up missing the first field goal. Will be won the game for the Giants minus the offsides penalty. Hopkins knocks in the next one from five yards closer, and the Washington Football Team go to one and one in the season. Daniel Jones, two hundred fifty nine passing yards, ninety five rushing yards, two total touchdowns, one through the air, one on the ground. Saquon Barkley, thirteen carries, fifty seven yards. Really doesn't judge his game as he did have a forty plus yard run, and then went twelve carries for sixteen yards the rest of the way. Heineke played pretty good in his first start of the season, his third career start, 336 yards, two touchdowns, one interception. That one interception almost cost them the game um, as they were trying to melt the clock away late in the fourth quarter. Terry McLaurin, very good game, 11 grabs, 107 yards and a touchdown. I believe Logan Thomas added 70 yards. Gibson had 70 yards on the ground. And uh, what were your thoughts on the Washington football team, uh, you know, squeaking one out against the Giants? Heineke impressed me even more. I like you said that that interception almost cost them, but overall, great performance from him. I believe what this was his second, third start, third, his third start? career start. I think he got one last year before the wild card game. I'm super impressed by his performance and Terry McLaurin. We didn't mention the we might have mentioned, but that catch he had last week was definitely a candidate for a catch of the year. This week, though, he showed why he's he's got to be one of my favorite receivers. I would say he's my favorite at the moment. Scary Terry did not disappoint. 11 receptions, 107 yards, and a touchdown. Um, Antonio Gibson, I was surprised he did not make it into the end zone. He got 69 yards, though, so, you know, got to shout out that. J.D. McKissick, I forgot about that guy. He I believe up. he ran in the touchdown, didn't yeah. he? Which usually he has more of the receiving running back, so that was a little bit of a surprise. Probably some Antonio fan or Gibson fantasy owners not very happy that uh, J.B. McKissick got the rushing touchdown instead of uh, obviously their guy Antonio Gibson. But yeah. you, Curtis Samuel is injured still for this team, as I believe mm-hmm. he's out another couple weeks. This offense is going to look really, really good when he yeah. gets his name into that receiving core with McLaurin. Logan Thomas has been doing well. Um, Diami Brown had a flash. Brown stepped up last week after having only one catch in week one. Mm-hmm. But the difference between it's it's been amazing. You know the 
right? Unfortunate for Brian Fitzpatrick, you know, the hip injury is out another three to five more weeks, depending on the severity of the injury and how the rehab goes. But this offense has looked vastly different under, you know, Taylor Heineke's lead versus the first quarter and a half that uh, Fitzpatrick got last week. Yeah. I'm starting to think that maybe Fitzpatrick will be the backup when he comes back. Cause the, if, after Heine, if he gets a good performance next week against the bills, he is going to have the starting job. I think. I agree. And mostly the end of the game, I don't really think the pick was on him, mm-hmm. but yeah, that was a bad they, read. You shouldn't be throwing the ball in third down uh, not at all. under two, under three minutes to go when you're trying to ice the game away. The one thing about this game though, was just, the Washington defense was not as good as I know they can. Play. No, that front seven did not do good against a very depleted offensive line for the Giants. Not at all. And I mean, I was expecting a lot um, more sacks, more pressures. Chase mm-hmm. Young was quiet, sweat, and that's just not the case of the game. The, ge- the game was very offense heavy. Yeah. Um, Daniel Jones, he can run. That's what this game mostly. He almost had a redemption on that Thursday night run against Philly. Was it last yeah. year where he tripped? He had yeah. the fifty-six yard. I think it was a fifty-five or sixty-yard touchdown run, but got called back to mm. a hold. It was a great run. He's quick though, and and you know by he's looking at him, he went quick speed. He is, and I um I think he's kind of like you know he looks a lot like Eli Manning out there, but Eli Manning could never break off and run like oh, that. Gosh, no, no. But Barkley, you know, minus the run, he struggled. I mm-hmm. don't know what's going on with him. If I had him in fantasy, I'd be trying to trade him, drop him, whatever. Sterling Shepard had a pretty good game. Um, I don't – it's blowing my mind in these first two games why they're not targeting Kenny Galladay as much as I thought they would for yeah. how much money they are paying him. I believe he's he signed a $100-plus million contract. In $18 million a year. And I think he has like nine catches this season so far. Um Kadarius Tony obviously uh, hasn't gotten the field much, mainly on mm-hmm. kick returns. Um, it's just if the Giants keep at this, you know, Daniel Jones can't do it all. I have and... two more things to mention before we move on. Mm-hmm. Go ahead. Darius Slayton. In the same game, he both impressed the fans, obviously, with a touchdown. He and then he dropped that one. He dropped he that did. It was wide open. And that, that was like the, the game uh, came down to. It was like the touchdown I dropped at football today. Yeah, it's all right, though. We can't catch them all. Uh, I know. The, uh, the, the other guy we got to mention, though, James Bradbury. This is a top five mm-hmm. defensive back in the league. Um, six tackles, two, one assist. But he just, he's a guy up there with uh, the, the Jair Alexanders and, the, you know, the Tredavious Whites. He was on I, those uh, Panther teams, right, when, when their defense was good, when Keekly was there and Peppers and uh, I when believe Cam Newton so. was over in Carolina still when they were Super Bowl bound. When Cam Newton was playing for a team and starting. Mm-hmm. Instead of being a free agent, which I still can't believe. I, I mean, I, obviously, I'm sure they're waiting on – he's waiting on probably an injury to happen. I'm surprised Houston didn't even go up and try yeah. to talk to him. But They should have uh, signed him today. <laughs> yeah, they should have because uh, they, they, we'll get into that in the week three preview. But I, I think Houston's going to get slaughtered on Thursday night. Oh, yeah. It's not going to be pretty. But uh, probably, let's – go ahead. Probably going to be the worst Thursday game because, yeah. I mean, both the – Opener and this one were just phenomenal games. Mm-hmm. We're going to move on here to the 1 o'clock window. Uh, the game that we did talk about last week, the Rams and the Colts, it lived up to the hype. The Rams ended up winning that game 27-24. to 24. Matthew Stafford, another Matthew Stafford-type game, 278 yards, two touchdowns, and did throw an early interception in the first quarter. Carson Wentz uh, sprained both of his ankles, which I thought mm-hmm. was very interesting. 
Uh, Frank Reich, the coach for the Colts, came out yesterday and said he sprained both ankles. I thought it was originally just the right ankle, which is the attached to the same leg that he's obviously had the ACL injury on and the leg trouble that he's had throughout mm-hmm. his career. He threw for 247, one touchdown, one interception. Uh, Cooper Cup had a giant game for the L.A. Rams. Nine grabs, 163 yards in both of Stafford's touchdowns. Daryl Henderson also left the game um, in an injury. He had 15, or 13 carries, 53 yards, and a touchdown. Jonathan Taylor struggled. He had three carries on their first series of the game. Inside the one-yard line, could not find the end zone. Uh, Aaron Donald, I believe, ended up sacking once on fourth down, and that was really the mm-hmm. theme of the game for the Colts. They fought back in the fourth quarter. They had a kind of a lucky touchdown. A, uh, the Rams were getting ready to punt. Johnny Hacker was ready to catch the punt. And the punt hit the up men um, on the side, and the Colts ended up falling on it for a touchdown. So that was kind of a lucky touchdown to get them back in the game. Uh, the key to the game, though, other than that, Indianapolis had 10 plays in the first two quarters in goal-to-goal situations. Didn't score. It took them until the third quarter to finally score on a goal-to-goal situation. And uh, obviously, Jacob Eason came in for Wentz after that, went 0-3 for 3 and threw an interception after Wentz's uh, injury late in the fourth quarter. But what are your thoughts on the Rams going to 2-0 and the Colts possibly being without Wentz for possibly this game against the Titans next week? Wentz, he struggled. He showed flashes of that, you know, 2016 Wentz. And I, I, I was impressed by some of the throws he made. He had a bomb to somebody. Mm-hmm. I think Michael Pittman. It was Pittman, it was across the field. Phenomenal or something, so throw, insane throw. But then he goes out and he makes a dumb play and he throws an interception. That was awful. Just the the choices he was making did not make sense in a game where you need this win. This is a good team. You need this boost. You you got to go into uh, that you're you're playing a divisional rival the next week, and you know this is just a disappointing loss. It seems like Wentz gave it all he had. You know, he's he's got the ankle injuries now. The thing is, Jacob Eason, getting a little bit of time here, threw a pick. Did not look good either. Exactly. So if they don't have Wentz, they're going to be massacred. Mm-hmm. So basically, Carson Wentz, he needs to – what do you think needs to happen for him to return to that 2016 form? Because he's shown the flashes, but it seems like he's just not quite there. The, the only way he returns to that form is if that ACL injury just doesn't happen because uh, the players in this league, especially the quarterback position, a mobile quarterback, a pocket passer like mm-hmm. Carson Wentz is, they're, they're not going to be the same after an injury like that. And yeah, with, no. you know the rare foot injury that he had in training camp, he had issues last year with the leg injury that caused him to miss the last like four or five weeks of mm-hmm. the season. It's just, it, it, unfortunately, this could be the end of the road for him. I mean, Indianapolis needed a quarterback. Obviously, Rivers retired last year. Brissett ended up moving on to Miami. But mm-hmm. if Wentz is out for a significant amount of time, there are going to be probably four to five quarterbacks taken again in the first round next year from guys like Caden Slovis from USC, Howell, Rattler, um, and then um, – the kid from Liberty, Malik Willis. And there could be a couple you never know. There could be another – Joe Burrow wasn't going to be a number one pick before his senior season at LSU, and he ended up being the number one pick in the 2020 draft. So I would just say, you know, screw it and just go tank for a quarterback at this point. I know it's week two, but that uh, that defense is going to be the reason that could keep him in the game against the Titans, but that offense is not going to be able to score more than 10 points with Eason in there if he is uh, – if Wentz is able to miss the game. Yeah, I – didn't think Easton looked that great. Jonathan Taylor did not find the end zone and had no. a kind of a disappointing game. Michael I don't think Pittman, he's hit 100 yards yet this year in his two games. No. 
You have him on fantasy, right? Yeah, yeah. So uh, hoping he can find the end zone this week. Yeah, <laughs> hoping maybe he can step up. Uh, Michael Pittman impressed eight receptions, 123 yards. Zach Pascoe has found the end zone the last Pascal couple weeks. scored uh, two times, I think, last week too. Yeah, I he's him and Pittman are going to be the future for their receiving wise, and those are two guys that would definitely think they're going to hold on to for as long as they can. Carson Wentz, I agree. I think they need to move on. He sh- he showed flashes, but it's just like it's not the same Wentz. You You're can't not gonna... stay healthy. I mean, you, you, not if, at you all. Wanna, if you want to win in this league, you need a healthy quarterback. And it, obviously sad. he doesn't prove that. It's sad, obviously, because he had a – you know, he was one of the greatest young quarterbacks coming up in the league and then the ACL. And it's also sad to know – he put all his all into this game, and mm-hmm. you could tell. I mean, he was laying on throwing. He was making, trying to make Mahomes throw. That Rams pass rush against a very, very good Colts front line. Mm-hmm. They made the Colts look absolutely stupid. You turned around, and Aaron Donald or you know somebody yeah. else was in that backfield almost every play, which was it seemed, crazy. It seemed like that what they ended up doing later as the game went on was triple teaming Donald. It seemed like there would be Which three guys. Two other guys yeah. to basically bull rush the quarterback. It was just it was not a good look for them. The game plan wasn't smart. Donald he looked wasn't incredible. Playing bad Wentz was until the injury. If he was out there for that last drive, they they could have maybe uh, you know manufactured a field goal. Obviously, Blankenship is a very mm-hmm. good kicker. And they probably could have led down the field, stretched it over time. They probably would have lost the game in overtime, but still. It's I was impressed. Lose. You know, lose your franchise. He's your franchise quarterback. At this point. You traded a couple first rounders for him. Mm-hmm. Uh, Philly ended up paying some ridiculous, like $75 million cap hit just to get rid of him. Yeah. So that shows how much they think of him. But uh, let's move on here to the Cowboys and the Chargers. Uh, 20 to 17 win for the Dallas Cowboys. First note I have here, the NFL is absolutely rigged. It, I, did you get a chance to watch any of this game? No. Penalty after penalty after penalty after penalty going the Dallas Cowboys way. Why? Prescott, 227 in an interception. Uh, Zeke, he had a decent game. He really stepped up after a 35-yard performance last week in Tampa. He had 16 carries, 71 yards, and a score. Pollard had a very good game, 109 yards yeah. and a touchdown. We could be seeing them as a good one-two punch, maybe a Kamara Ingram part two, whatever you get with that. Uh, Herbert had a very good game, 338 yards, a touchdown. Did throw two interceptions, though. Keenan Allen, uh, four grabs, 104 yards. Mike Williams found the end zone. Uh, Eckler had a decent game, but it just went down to the end of the game. Um, The Chargers had a touchdown called back due to a illegal shift, which is a little controversial. Um, Herbert was sacked, trying to make him a Holmes-type play. Uh, due to forward progress, that was a little controversial. Uh, the Chargers had two touchdowns called back in the first half because of holds. Um, Dallas kept getting bailed out on third downs, on penalties. That's awful. Um, uh, what's the Zerline, the kicker, ended up kicking a 56-yarder to win the game for Dallas. Uh, the offense didn't look good for the Cowboys, but they ended up squeaking out a win uh, in the Chargers' home opener with fans at SoFi Stadium, obviously playing last year without fans. There's a lot of Dallas fans there, man. Uh, what are your thoughts on this uh, Cowboys squeaker to get them to one and one on the season? I heard about the two getting called back, and that's that was you know, oh I watched. I think I ended up watching maybe from the second quarter on to pretty much the end of the game. That was one of the sloppiest games I've ever watched. Penalties after penalty after penalty. Like I said at the beginning, I think the Chargers had like twelve penalties and Dallas had like nine penalties, so like twenty-one combined penalties in the game or somewhere in that neighborhood. That's very horrible. very sloppy football. It's from the scorecard, you know, Dallas comes out first quarter 14 to 3. 
And then, I mean, it. Chargers made a good comeback at the, the end, at the end of the second or the end of the second early third. In the second and third, they they held the Cowboys to nothing. They they were able to you know take the lead there or tie it up there, fourteen to fourteen. But just you know couldn't couldn't finish it. The penalties hurt them. Not bad game from Herbert. The two picks, yeah, you don't want to see that, but he he was trying. I mean, in a game where to where you're getting all these penalties, you you got to take some risks, man. I uh, I think the highlight for me is Asante Samuel getting a pick he because got his first career NFL interception. Yep, he's a guy I was excited to you know see in the draft class. I wanted to draft him. I remember highlighting when when we did the cornerback talk. He was my favorite. Just good to see him get that. Um, Keenan Allen, 108 on four receptions, 27 yards per reception. That's that's great numbers. Mike Williams obviously got that touchdown. Unfortunately, I believe he was on your bench. And mm-hmm. Cowboys-wise, Pollard is better than Zeke. Dare I say it. Pollard, you, you need to go with Pollard. Zeke, they both had a touchdown, but I, I just feel like Pollard was running the ball better. He was. It was more fluid. He was finding the gap better. Mm-hmm. I don't know what's going on with Zeke, but he's not the Zeke of Ohio State, and he's definitely not the Zeke of his first couple years in the NFL. Could you think that he's already possibly hit his peak and he's just on the downfall already? The reason I would say yes is take a look at Todd Gurley. Mm-hmm. It's a perfect it seemed, example, yeah. They they had it's almost like they had the same trajectory. In Todd Gurley's last like year or so, he struggled. You know, he just it's 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 hard when you bring in a back and he has to become like an MVP type level of player. That's what McCaffrey kind of struggled with and dealt with injuries last year. It's all that weight on him. Zeke was brought in, and him and Dak were the new faces and. He lived up to the hype, but that wears you down. Barkley, he's another example, and he's happened even younger. Mm-hmm. It's, I think a lot of teams are going to end up going to a two, you know, two a bike system, and it's not because, and it's going to suck for fantasy, but it's going to happen. I know it's going to happen because it works. Pollard with one hundred nine, and then Zeke with seventy one. Whoever's hot, give it to them. Mm-hmm. We 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 saw it. I feel like the first flash of it in the modern era with great success was Kamara and Ingram. Now we're seeing it with Chubb and Hunt. This could be another one. I mean, it, teams could end up doing this with quarterbacks too. I was talking with my dad. I mean, if you got a Andy Dalton and a Justin Fields type situation, Justin Fields is great in the running game and great in making, you know, something from nothing. Andy Dalton is good to maintain kind of just like, you know, stay steady, yeah. kind of like a closer. So you could end up. So we could end up seeing things like closing quarterbacks, like how there's pitcher type thing. Mm-hmm. You know, I feel like the Cowboys definitely did not deserve this win. I feel like the Chargers definitely fought harder, and that's why I feel like Herbert's two picks are excusable in this case because the the Chargers fought. They did, yeah. It's unfortunate, you know. They do go to Kansas City next week. And, you know, Mahomes is going to be frustrated. That defense is going to be frustrated after the way that they played on Sunday night, mm-hmm. which we'll get into in a moment here as the Chiefs did end up losing that game. Uh, 36-35, Mahomes had 343 yards, uh, two touchdowns, did throw an early interception in the first half. Clyde Edwards-Hilaire, they were getting ready to march down the field. All they needed was a first down, I think, to win the game. It was at the point mm-hmm. it was 33 to 30, or 35-33 Chiefs. 
uh, second and six. Um, it, it was a great play. I mean, you really can't fault Edwards Hilaire for it. Jason Oway, the rookie from Penn State, ends mm-hmm. up just basically reaching out his hand and stripping the ball from Edwards Hilaire. They fall, he falls on it. They go down and they get the uh, field goal from Justin Tucker, or the, yeah, the field goal from Justin Tucker to win the game. Mm-hmm. Lamar Jackson, 239 passing yards, 107 rushing yards, three total touchdowns, one pass, two rushing, did throw two interceptions, including one that was a pick six on the first drive of the game. Hollywood Brown, six grabs, 113 and a score. Nice to see Lamar finally get a win versus Mahomes. Uh, they forced two things from Patrick Mahomes besides the loss. Obviously, he did. Um, he threw his first interception in the month of September, and he also did lose his first game in September as he falls now to 12-1 and one in September. Um, it's, it's a heartbreaker for the Chiefs. He played good. Uh, they were controlling. They were 28 to 14 at one point in this game, and the defense kind of just they couldn't contain Lamar Jackson. And that just, you know, scares me. Well, you know, how, how the Lions are going to do that next week. If, I'm nervous. You know, the Chiefs are – the Chiefs aren't a great defense. They're a good defense. And if you let Lamar Jackson have 346 yards of offense with three touchdowns and you only lose by a point, <laughs> what are your thoughts on this game? I was super impressed with Lamar, which is like you're saying, I'm worried, man. I He could go for a 1,000 yards on us. I mean, the so fourth well. and one, you know, we have the classic video now with Jim Har- or with John Harbaugh, pardon me, not Jim Harbaugh. Mm-hmm. We have John Harbaugh saying, Lamar, do you want to go for it? And Lamar's like, yeah. And he's like, okay, let's go, you know. It's good to just, see that. Trust in, that is yeah. trust in your quarterback. Yeah. All, I know it's fourth and one. The game was on the line, obviously. Uh, if you look at it, you know, the Chiefs were going to be at the 45-yard line. Butker is one of the best kickers in the league besides mm-hmm. probably Tucker on the other side of the field. So you give him 10 yards and they're in the end or they're in field goal range and the chiefs probably win that game, but great job. The offensive line getting attrition to just push back the chiefs D line and let Lamar Jackson get his three yards. And that was the ball game. You cannot give Mahomes the ball last. Mm -mm. That's how you beat Mahomes is he cannot have the ball driving down to win because he'll do it every time, no matter what. And that's, that's what everyone knows about Mahomes. Lamar Jackson, impressive on the feet. He was really their only running back. Tyson Williams did have a good game. Latavius Murray has really Latavius stepped Murray up. Murray found the end zone for a second straight week, I believe. And he's really, you know, kind of having a resurgence in his career. He spent some time with the Saints, and before that, obviously, he was on the Raiders for a while. Lamar Jackson's two picks early in the game, to come back and have the composure to not get too down on yourself, that shows me the type of – quarterback Lamar is he's a leader and guys don't talk about that enough and that's why Harbaugh had that trust in him that's why guys rally behind him and that's why they were able to beat the Chiefs Marquise Brown incredible game he's been really improving this season Mm -hmm. 113 one touchdown um Mark Andrews got a few catches I don't know if Mark Andrews has found the end zone yet Watkins had a decent game um, defensively, this defense will look a lot different when Rashad Bateman's finally back. Oh yeah, I'm excited too because he's he's the rookie I'm most excited for. Mm-hmm. Patrick Queen, seven tackles. He's starting to look like that baby Ray Lewis we thought he'd be. Jason Owe, obviously your your pick for potential defensive rookie of the year uh, when we did the previews. But overall, I feel like next week we're gonna get an angry Mahomes and. I'm scared for the Chargers, And that's man. not going to be good for the Chargers. I'm scared for them. Even more so, though, I'm scared for the Lions. And speaking of the Lions and angry, we did get an angry Aaron Rodgers last night as the Lions did fall to 0-2, unfortunately. The Packers ended up winning that game 
35 to 30, or 35 to 17, because I wish it was 35 to 27 even, is what I almost said. Uh, Rodgers, four touchdowns, 255 yards, 22 of 27. Only sacked two times in that game. He threw three touchdowns. Aaron Jones got three receiving touchdowns in his fourth going to Robert Tunyon. Uh, Jared Goff, he, he played all right. You know, first half that saw him throw two, two touchdowns and about 150-ish yards, 159, I think, was close to the exact number. Finished the game with 246, two touchdowns. Did throw an interception late in the game. Four carries and 46 rushing yards, though, including two pretty nice-looking read option plays in the second half. One for, I believe, 15 yards and one for 20. Um, TJ Hawkinson really was the other star of the offense. Eight grabs, 66 yards, and that touchdown uh, right before the end of the first half, I believe, to give us a 14-7 to lead. It was just, you know, they went right down and scored right away. Jared Goff led a great drive, uh, including a 46-yard grab, I believe it was, by Quintess Cephas on a third and one that got him into the red zone. But every time they would score a touchdown, they would give the ball back to Aaron Rodgers, and Aaron Rodgers literally made it look like child's play. He has all day in the pocket to throw. He's got our secondary so bad that everybody's wide open. I was listening to the radio on the way home today, and it was like, you know, it the radio guy, the afternoon drive guy in 97 when the ticket was literally like, it, it's just child's play to Aaron Rodgers, you know. Oh, well, you're you're open in front of me, five yards ahead of me, but, you know, I'm a little bored. Let's try to throw it deep to Devontae Adams. That's where Owarie got burned. It was a third and 14 in the third quarter. I believe it was the Packers' first drive. The Lions had just gotten a sack or a penalty or something. And then he ends up throwing a 56-yard pass to Devontae Adams, which I think you and I could have caught. Yeah. Um, the, the fourth down in one play, I liked it by Dan Campbell. Patricia would have kicked a field goal. Caldwell would have kicked a field goal. Schwartz would have kicked a field goal. But Dan Campbell ended up showing a little bit of nerve here. You're on the road. You're at the 30-yard line in a four-point game, and, you know, Jared Goff just made the wrong read. He had DeAndre Swift or Williams. I don't remember what running back was in the game. And then TJ Hawkinson wide open, and both of them in the flat, both about two yards apart, uh, five yards ahead of the sticks. Uh, The game probably would have – the Packers still would have won the game if we would have gotten the first down because I don't see the Lions, you know, scoring a touchdown on that drive. It just would have been a little closer. It was just unfortunate. You know, we talked about it earlier today when we were together. It's like the Lions, you know, they they show you that, you know, we we still have this and we we can try to win. But it's like in the second half, they – like what they did last week, they just break your hearts. I mean, no points in the second half. Bad turnovers. Jared Goff fumbles that snap on the first play after the Green Bay scores make an 11-point game. Goff throws the interception in the fourth quarter. Uh, the referees, some of the calls they made last night. I'm just, it, it's, I'm sick of talking about it. I mean, they had a third and goal right before that touchdown to make it 28 to 17, where O'Warrior got a pass interference call on a ball where Aaron Rodgers literally threw it into the turf. And I think he was targeting Valdez Scantling and wasn't even close to him and didn't even touch him. And they got a pass interference call. Some of the holding calls that they missed. Uh, when the Lions had the ball, or when the, the Packers had the ball, and they were just holding on to our our offensive or defensive linemen, it, every I swear the NFL puts us in prime time just to you know screw us and laugh. At they them. love they love to screw us over, man. Especially when it's against the Packers, the Trey Flowers call, all that. I mean, all that we're in a rebuild. We're a bad enough football team. I don't think the Packers needed the help of the referees to win that game last night. No, not at all. It, what were your thoughts on just uh, it was an all right performance, but I understand it's a rebuild. I'm not going to blame Brad Holmes. I'm not going to blame Matt Pat- or not Matt Patricia. I'm going to blame Matt Patricia and Bob Quinn for this. 
but not for Campbell and Holmes. It's too early to judge them. I mean, that was another thing I heard on the way home today. It's like, this is how bad of a, a mess that Quintricia left us that our poor new coach and GM just have to deal with this and our fan base has to deal with this. It's super disappointing, especially in terms of during the 49ers game, we played a great second half. During the Packers game, we played a great first half. You said if it we, earlier. We, if we would have put those two halves together, we'd be a 2 and a football team. We, we played good in the halves, yeah, but we just can't play a good complete game. The, the penalties don't help. The, the coaching is great. That's what I'm most excited for. I love Dan Campbell. I love his energy. I loved the first half of this game. I thought, man, we have a shot to go into Lambeau with Dan Campbell and win the game. The world. And then all of a sudden we fall apart at the end. Poor decision-making, poor, you know, gameplay by us. I mean, the defense is awful. You knew Rodgers was going to torch us, but at the start of the game, it seemed like everything was clicking. I don't know why we just didn't come out with that same energy after the second half. We we need a, a lot of things to change to – have a successful season and we're 11, we truly are... we're 11 starters away on defense when this yeah. team is at its peak none of these guys will be starters i'm sorry yeah no that's taking they... out obviously it's taking out okuda he is injured he was not playing on the field last night okuda's mostly buns anyway so we're not really missing him mm-hmm. just you know we go against baltimore next week and we're and gonna die you thought it was bad the last two weeks well get buckle up because the, the Ravens may just say screw it and just mess with Lamar Jackson and say, hey, can you stand around in the pocket and maybe throw the ball? So maybe he doesn't run for 150, 175 yards, but, you know, we'll He'll see. still flame that. He'll still flame a 60-yard deep ball, you know. But moving on here, some to, some of our honorable mentions, obviously the games we haven't mentioned. Uh, what a performance by Derek Carr and the Las Vegas Raiders, as I didn't really see myself saying that very much this season. 382 yards and two touchdowns going into Heinz Field and beating the Pittsburgh Steelers uh, to move on to 2-0. Did uh, hear some news today. Big Ben did suffer a pectoral injury that may affect his status for the Sunday game for the Steelers. Uh, the Titans go into Seattle and pull off an amazing comeback. They were down at 1.24-9, I believe it was, at the half. Derrick Henry, you obviously mentioned the 47 fantasy points he gave you, 182 rushing yards and three touchdowns. Andy Dalton uh, did tweak his, I believe his shoulder or his ankle. I don't remember which of the two it was in the first quarter in his reunion game against the Bengals. He did get a touchdown on the first drive to Allen Robinson, but Justin Fields did come into the game, did throw for 60 yards in an interception late in the game, uh, did get a key third down scramble to seal the game as the Bears beat the Bengals. Uh, maybe the LASIK is not going to help Jameis Winston out after a five touchdown performance not last a good week performance against the Packers. Week. He backs it up against a, probably weaker Panthers defense versus the Packer defense uh, with an 11 for 22 game with 111 yards and interception as the uh, Panthers ended up demolishing the saints. I believe it was 27 to nine crazy ending in Arizona. Uh, the Cardinals pulled that out 34 to 33. What an offensive battle that was Kyler Murray, four touchdowns. I believe cousins had three or four touchdowns, but uh, Vikings kickers. Uh, we all remember what Blair Walsh did in that wild card game. I believe it was in, what was it, 2016, 2015, where he kicked yeah. the laces. The laces were in. He missed the 28-yard field goal that sent the Seahawks to the division round, ended up sending them to the Super Bowl, I believe it was that season. Uh, the Greg Joseph, their kicker, he missed a 36-yarder in Arizona to uh, try to win him the game. 
Uh, before I run through the other scores and some other stats from the games we haven't mentioned, do you have any honorable mentions you want to mention? Any key player, any key team that really did stand out for you in week two? Derek Carr, and then we're beyond that, I'm going to talk about Henry Ruggs as my player um, of this week. Overall, I felt like I was a little surprised that Justin Fields didn't come into that game and, and throw for more touchdowns. He threw a pick, you know? I, I felt like him and Andy Dalton are both kind of – both really mediocre play against the team. The Bengals are not that good, you know? Joe I was Burrow expect- threw three straight interceptions on three straight plays and somehow almost won that game. That That's what I'm saying. Like, I thought Justin Fields was going to come in and this was going to be the game that he cemented himself as the starter. But if you look at him and Andy Dalton's stats, they're almost an identical mm-hmm. and – the thing is, Andy Dalton actually got the touchdown this week. So maybe maybe Fields still does need some time to develop. The difference is, is one's a rookie and one's on his way out in terms of career, I think. Facts. Another topic, though, Zach Wilson, four picks. Jeez, he looked. Some of those interceptions he threw were just mind-boggling. You got to wonder, as a member of the New York media asked him, uh, were you seeing ghosts? Obviously, we all yeah. remember the infamous Monday Night Football game where Bill Belichick's defense made Sam Darnold apparently see ghosts. I don't know if it was a joke or whatever it was, but, you know, and they asked him, did, did you see ghosts? And, you know, he kind of shut yeah. off and said, no. Uh, you want to mention um, Zach Wilson. Uh, Trevor Lawrence didn't really play that great either. He threw two interceptions, did get his first career or his first home touchdown to Marvin Jones. Uh, as uh, Teddy Bridgewater put another great performance together uh, for the Denver yeah. Broncos as they moved on to 2-0 and with a 23-13 win. Uh, 26 of 34, 328 yards, and two touchdowns for the newly acquired quarterback for the Denver Broncos, who has not yet played a home game yet. They will get their shot against Zach Wilson and the Jets this week, though, in his uh, mile high field debut. So he's going to be 3 0. So he's going to be 3 0. Yeah. They, and he, he covered the spread in this game. They call him Spready Bridgewater. So, I like Bridgewater. Uh, so he's covered in his first two games. They're 2 0 against the spread, and they're 2 0 against on the field. Um, some other scores here real quick before we move on to the week three preview. Um, Browns ended up winning 31 to 21 Baker. Good game. Uh, 19 to 21 213 and a score Chubb with another 95 yards and 11 carries and a touchdown. Obviously Tyrod Taylor did injure himself in that game. He has already been ruled out and put on IR for Thursday night. Uh, the big question was, was Deshaun Watson going to get activated? The answer to that is no. David Cully at a press conference today saying, Watson will remain to be a healthy scratch, obviously, as they still sort out all the legal trouble that he is in. So that means uh, rookie quarterback Davis Mills from the University of Stanford is going to be the starter on Thursday night against the Panthers. Um, Bills ended up shutting out the Dolphins, 35 nothing. Allen, 179 and two scores. Diggs ended up finding the, uh, the end zone for the first time this season. Singletary got a touchdown. Moss got two touchdowns. Uh, Tua ended up getting injured, injured his ribs again on the first series. Uh, Brissett played horrible in his place. Uh, you mentioned the Jets. They lost 25-6. to uh, Damian Harris with 62 yards and a score. You mentioned the four-interception game that Wilson threw. Uh, awesome. Niners move on to 2-0 with a 17-11 win over the Eagles. Hurts with 23-82 rushing yards and a touchdown. Quez Watkins with two grabs and 117 yards. Garoppolo, had a, he had an all right game. He got the job done. Raiders, uh, 26-17 over the Steelers. We mentioned all the stats there. Um, Panthers, 26-7. We mentioned the Broncos, the Cardinals. Oh, Tom Brady, five touchdowns. 20, uh, 20, 48-25 win over the Bucks. 
They had back-to-back interceptions in three minutes. Uh, One of their players, I can't think of his name off the top of my head, but he scored two pick sixes in three minutes off Matt Ryan. As Matt Ryan still got 300 yards and a touch, two touchdowns, four net with 52 on the ground. And uh, yeah, that's that was it for week number two in the NFL. Any thoughts on any of the scores or stats that I just Mike Mike Edwards? Is that who got the um Mike Edwards? Yeah, I think he was the back to back pick sixes. Yeah, he had two picks, but Brady, man, he's nine touchdowns this season already. MVP, bro. MVP. I was saying it before and nobody was messing with it, but I think Brady tops. 60 touchdowns. I think Brady gets the record. And what well, this season, this season reminds me, bro, this season reminds me of Peyton's year when he did it. Yeah. But um, moving on to our next segment here, Dill, why don't you intro and transition 70, us? 72 touchdowns is what Brady's currently on pace for. Whoa. Yeah. I think he can do it. <laughs> they play the Rams this week and the Patriots next week. I keep forgetting that we do have a Tom Brady reunion game coming up here very soon. And I saw a stat this afternoon. He is 499 passing yards away from the most passing yards in NFL history. He has a chance to break that against his former team that he played almost 20 seasons for. So that would be very, very exciting to see happen on Sunday night next week, not this week. Yeah. But speaking of this week, we will be moving on here to our week three preview. We have Thursday Night Football. I've already mentioned it. Carolina Panthers uh, taking on the Houston Texans. Alex, how do you see this Thursday Night Clash going? Not pretty for the Texans, especially with the missing uh, uh, Tyrod Taylor. I'm I'm a huge Tyrod Taylor guy. I liked him when he was in Buffalo. Do I think he's the greatest quarterback ever? No. Do I think he's a top ten? No. Do I like Tyrod Taylor and want to see him win a couple games and, you know, be an eight and eight, well, eight and nine now, nine and eight type team? Yes. Will that happen to him? No. Unfortunately, with the Chargers, he got the broken, cracked rib. Back to back seasons, he's got an injured in week two. It's it's something. Maybe this is a sign he needs to retire. I'd hate to see that happen. But Tyrod Taylor, I feel like he he got a shot in Buffalo, but since then he just hasn't got that fair chance. He had a good. Uh, week one performance, I felt like, um, what versus the Jets. Browns, uh, yeah, oh. and but versus the Browns last week, he did okay until what? How how early did he go out? That was about second quarter. I think he got hurt. I felt like he looked good until then, or you know, he. I feel like with him in the game, they would have had a, a shot. The Browns, I thought were going to clobber them, and same same with the Jags week one, but the Texans. Surprised me, and it was Tyrod Taylor. Now that they don't have Tyrod Taylor, they're going to be the team I thought they were, a winless team. They're going to be horrible. The Panthers have looked good, to my surprise, which was a team I also thought was going to be horrible. The Panthers are going to demolish the Texans, and we are going to get the worst Thursday night game of the year. Wow. I mean, you could look at it this way. Yeah, I do agree that the Panthers are playing a whole lot better this year, and they are defying my expectations. But if they are three and zero after this, they have beaten the two two of the four worst teams in the league. Yeah, thanks. in the um, obviously the Jets in Week One and barely beating the Jets in Week One, and then beating the Texans this week if they are able to do it. They they did beat the Saints. The Saints are an average team, but their best win has been the Saints. I agree with you. This. The offense for the Texans is going to look a whole lot different without Tyrod Taylor. Obviously, uh, Davis Mills will be getting his first NFL start, and he is going to get eaten alive by this Panther defense. Uh, the Panthers are going to win this game quite easily, 34-13. Darnold's going to throw two touchdowns, about 250-ish yards. Uh, Robbie Anderson's going to get one. I think DJ Morgan's the other one. 
uh, CMC, 125 all-purpose yards. He's going to get a rush TD. The Panthers, <coughs> pardon me, are going to be a sneaky team to watch as they are now 3-0. and I think they have a shot to make the playoffs this year. Sneak into one of those three wild-card spots. Obviously, Tampa's going to win that division quite easily. But watch out for the Carolina Panthers. Yeah, their schedule's going to get a little harder down the road. But I seriously consider, after a 3-0 and start with a solid Thursday night win at home, that they can possibly win, you know, 10 games this year and sneak into the playoffs as a 7 or a 6 seed. Oh, boy, we move on here to our weekly Lions prediction. Uh, Baltimore coming to town for our second home game of the season as the 1-1 Ravens take on the 0-2 Lions. Uh, this, is, this is not going to be pretty. Uh, so what the question I should ask is, uh, how many yards is Lamar Jackson going to have? All purpose? Yeah. I'm going about 150 rush, 250 pass. So let's 400? combine that 400 <laughs> yards, man. I can see that happening. It, it's sad. Watching, uh, watching what the Lions, you know, or Aaron Rodgers did to the Lions. Even Garoppolo carved up the Lions defense, and he's a mediocre quarterback. Now you got one of the best pocket passers probably since Michael Vick coming into your stadium mm-hmm. and is going to run all over your very bad defense. Um, it's, it is, it is going to be a treat to be able to watch Lamar Jackson play against our team. I do value watching him. I think he's a very good player. Obviously I was talking to my dad yesterday when I was watching some of the highlights um, from the game on Sunday, I said, Lamar Jackson, he is a better runner than Michael Vick, I think in terms of elusiveness. And that was very hard to get to. The only difference is Lamar Jackson doesn't have the arm that Michael Vick had. Yeah. Michael Vick can unload, man. He could mm. he could send a seventy yard bomb. I think that is the only place. If you're comparing the two, I think Lamar is the more elusive. I think Lamar is the more dynamic in terms of you cannot touch him. Mm-hmm. Vic, you could Vic, you could you could touch him, but he's gonna run through you. He was yeah. he was physical with with. You're gonna be whiffing at the air when you try to tackle Lamar Jackson. Yeah, you saw the Chiefs defenders whiff at. They looked silly on that, on that rush or that play before the rushing touchdown. You mm-hmm. saw three or four guys dive at him and just, he just, you know, they didn't even come anywhere near him. I am, before Lamar Jackson was in the league and hearing about him at Louisville was like, okay, this guy is great in college. You didn't know how well he was going to translate to the NFL. Now he's kind of set a new mold, I think, for quarterbacks. Mm-hmm. And I think we, we're going to see a lot more Lamar Jacksons yeah. as we go forward. And, you know, you got to really attribute his style of play to being almost a unique take on that Michael Vick-esque um, play. But he's also a great leader, and that's what I'm also worried about because he does spread the ball well. When Rashad Bateman returns, that's going to be trouble. But I think Marquise Brown is going to have another phenomenal 100-yard game against us. I think a warrior is going to look silly. He already does. He's horrible. He always looks confused. I think a warrior will get burnt in this game. And another thing that I thought was funny, going back to the Monday night game, just one last point on that. Did you notice that they put our rookie from Syracuse, Melifonu or whatever his name is, on Devontae Adams yesterday? What Are, are they trying to get him experience? <laughs> I, I don't know, but they put our rookie in his second career game against you know a top three NFL wide receiver. But I really think, um, honestly, I think Lamar Jackson is going to get 250 passing yards. 130 rushing yards. He's going to have five total touchdowns in this game. I'm thinking four passing, four, one rush. Uh, the Lions are going to lose this game 42 to 20. 
Goff's going to get benched late in this game as Tim Boyle is going to see some action. Um, when Goff is in the game, I'm thinking like 220 yards, two touchdowns, two interceptions. Swift's going to find the end zone. I think Hawkinson finds the end zone again for a third straight game as the Lions are going to drop to 0-3. Can this disaster please end soon? Because we are three games into the season, and I'm enjoying all the NFL action. I just wish that the Lions didn't have to play every week. I, I'm just looking forward to the bye when week. Is our bye? When look, is our I, bye? I have not looked at the bye week schedule yet, so I, I don't know off the top of my head when our bye week is, but I, I cannot wait for that. because Cannot come soon enough. That would be one week where I don't have to worry about watching them. I feel like this game – All right, this is going to be our third attempt at this. Uh, Alex, I'm going to let you start off by talking about the Rams and the Bucks, which is probably going to be the game of the year in the NFL, I think. Oh, yeah, no. I have this listed as my most anticipated out of the entire season. Maybe but the one that's in contention is Brady returning home. The difference here is both teams are actually really good Super Bowl contenders. The reason I don't think this will be the best game of the year is because these two teams, I think, are meeting in the NFC Championship, and I think that'll be an even better uh, meeting between the pair. I think Brady's going to stay on pace, four or five touchdowns. I think Stafford will have three, maybe a pick. That defense the Bucks have, but also what they've done with Aaron Donald, Jalen Ramsey, and then sneaky guys like um, – I can't think of his name. He came – oh, Leonard Floyd from the Bears. Mm-hmm. The Rams acquired him. He's been phenomenal. That Rams defense is, is up there I, with the Bucks. I think those are two of the best defenses, two of the best offenses, obviously. The difference on the Bucks side is the sheer depth of weapons. I mean, their fourth-string guy is like an Antonio Brown. Their exactly. second string tight end is an OJ Howard and a Cameron Bray. And a, you know what I mean? They, they have phenomenal players. Um, and, and honestly, dare I say it? I think if you plugged Blaine Gabbard into this game, would he do Brady numbers? No. Could he suffice and maybe help you squeeze to it with that defense and those weapons? Maybe. Well, you saw I, what he did in the game against the Lions last year in the second half. I understand it was thanks. a very superior opponent. Yeah. One of the worst teams in the NFL, but that offense didn't miss a beat when Brady left in the second half due to it being a blowout. Yeah, not at all. And so I think I got to go Bucks here with the win, but it's going to be a close game, and it's going to it's going to be probably the best of the year. Yeah, I'm thinking it's a 38-35 kind of a ball game. I mean, it's going to be the mm-hmm. best game of the season in the NFL on paper, and I hope it lives up to the hype. I mean, you got look at some of the matchups you got. You got Brady versus Stafford. Evans versus Cuff, Ramsey versus Godwin, you know, Murphy Bunting versus Robert Woods. And that's not even before we get to the front seven battles on both sides of the ball between, you know, the Bucks defense and the Rams offensive line. And then, you know, vice versa with the Rams defensive line versus the Bucks offensive line. Uh, offensive shootout, you know, and people are going to be wanting and, you know, thinking, I'm thinking a 38-35 Ram win. Stafford, 325, four TDs. Uh, Brady, 303 TDs. But he's going to throw a late, late interception that is going to seal the deal for the L.A. Rams. As we may see this game in January – I predicted it to be my NFC championship game, and man, would that be fun. In the meantime, the Rams are going to take this early season clash and move to 3-0 against three pretty decent opponents, you know, minus the Bears. All right, that's going to move us on to our Sunday night football game. It's going to be the Packers and the 49ers, a little bit of a rivalry. Aaron Rodgers going back home to play his hometown 49ers. Obviously, we've seen this matchup in uh, the 2019 NFC championship game. Will the same demons be exercised um, 
for Aaron Rodgers that were in that 2019 blowout of an NFC Championship game. I believe so. I don't know what I, it is about that place that he just can't play it. I, I've always really liked this rivalry, and it has become a rivalry ever since, kind of the Colin mm-hmm. Kaepernick days. And the, yeah, the, yeah, that, yeah, that Alex, huge – didn't he have that huge rushing game against them? Yeah. And that's, I think that's the season he first like came on. That was the, the Super Bowl. That was the season that they came back and almost won that Super Bowl against the Ravens, right? The uh, yeah. black, or the blackout Super Bowl, right? With the yeah. Beyonce yeah. shut out all the lights. <laughs> yeah, Beyonce shut off all the lights. Um, but I'm excited for this game. I just think that Aaron Rodgers is going to kind of return to his form of last year. I think, you know, he had a really bad start to the season. I don't want to say he's going to do MVP-type numbers in this game like last season, but I don't think he'll have a Saints-type game. I think it'll be more in the lines of the Lions-type game. I think, if anything, it'll be a seven one-score differential, maybe seven points, but the 49ers are going to take the L here. I do think Rodgers could struggle, but I I think they're going to get this win. They're just a better team, and – the, the 49ers are not what they were two years ago in the Super Bowl. Garoppolo is, like you said earlier, mediocre. Mostert's now out. They're, they're going to need to. Their running back room has taken a huge hit, Elijah. Mitchell got hurt last week. Obviously, yeah. Sermon's still dealing with the concussion. And then, obviously, not even bringing up Mozart, you know, who tore his ACL in week one. So, they're down to, like, their fourth string back already. They're almost as bad as the Ravens right now. I think Debo Samuel is going to have a good game. Uh, I think that AJ Dillon is actually gonna like have a great game. He's shown flashes. Um, I just think Rodgers is gonna win this. He might struggle just based on you know, it, like you said, when he goes to that Forty Nine er Stadium, it's it, it's not always pretty. No, I don't know what it is about that stadium, but I think it's gonna go the exact opposite that you think. I think. He's not going to have as bad of a game as he did against the 49 or against the Saints or even as bad as he had against the 49ers in that 2019 NFC Championship game. But I'm thinking like 175, one touchdown, two interceptions. I think the 49ers are going to pull off this upset because their defense is really good. They have all the pieces back on defense. That's a strong suit. And Garoppolo doesn't need a big game for them to win. I'm thinking like maybe 24 to 13, 49ers. Garoppolo will go for 210, uh, maybe a touchdown and an interception. Um, Debo Samuel is going to have a good game, obviously, because, you know, that's basically all he's got. Kittle, I think Kittle finds the end zone possibly. Uh, but, you know, it's going to be an efficient game for Garoppolo. And decent, good enough to get him a win as they're going to move on to 3-0, and I think. And that's going to move us on to our final game of the Week 3 schedule. We have the Philadelphia Eagles traveling to Cowboys Stadium to take on the Cowboys in their home opener. How do you think the home opener for the Cowboys is going to fare? Well, if if it's anything like last week, it's going to be rigged. The Cowboys are going to absolutely dominate. I don't see the Eagles having a very good game. I feel like it could be reminiscent of their game in preseason against the Patriots where it's just very one-sided. I think the Cowboys are going to rock and and jump away with this one. The, the game they had versus the Bucks, they're going to do phenomenal. They'll be in their home, home stadium for the first time this season. I think the Cowboys are going to have their best game yet. These two teams have had some classic games in primetime, more or less from T.O., both being on both squads. Obviously, if you do remember, you know, he scored that touchdown, I believe it was for the Eagles, and he did the, you know, he kind of stood on the star, and all the Cowboys didn't like that and whatnot. But I think this is going to be a very close game. I think the Cowboys are going to win a squeaker, and it's going to be an offensive struggle. I'm thinking 20-14. 
Hurts, 175, one touchdown, one pick. Dak's going to throw for 225. He's going to have one more touchdown than Hurts, but also throw an interception. Uh, Zeke's going to finally break through and have an 85-yard game. I think Pollard chips in with about maybe 50 to 55 yards. Uh, Zeke's going to find the end zone. Cooper and Schultz are going to get the two passing touchdowns for the Cowboys. As the Cowboys are going to move to 2-1 and one in the season, but really could be 0-3, barring a few different calls in the two wins that they do have. The, the two wins they will have after this prediction. And uh, just some other games real quick here before we move on to player spotlight and get you out of here. We do have the Washington football team taking on the Bills in the 1 o'clock window on Sunday. We have the Bears and the Browns. Possibly could be Justin Fields' first start against Baker Mayfield, which would be very interesting. Colts traveling to Tennessee to take on the Titans. Hopefully the Colts don't fall to 0-3. Chargers and Chiefs, we also we already mentioned. Saints and Patriots, that should be a good game as Mac Jones is going to mm-hmm. go against Jameis Winston. Uh, Falcons and Giants, battle of 0-2 teams. Who's going to be, you know, who's going to get that win and who possibly could be on their way to win a born pick? Bengals and Steelers. We have the Cards and Jags. Uh, going into the 4 o'clock window, we have the Jets and the Broncos. I already mentioned Dolphins, Raiders. If you remember that game from last year where Fitzpatrick basically made that throw where he was blind, obviously it's probably going to be Brissett instead of Tua, I'm thinking, in that game in Vegas. Uh, we mentioned Bucks rams Seahawks-Vikings, the other 425 window, uh, and then we have the Sunday Nighter and the Monday Nighter. So that's going to move on. Um, that's going to actually conclude this week three preview. As we are going to move on to our final segment of the evening, we will be talking about player spotlight. Alex, do you want to lead us off and let you let it, people know who your player of the week was? I'm actually going Henry Ruggs the third here, um, mostly because I'll be honest, never been a big Henry Ruggs guy. When he was picked to be the first receiver in so that, he was class, the first receiver off that board, and there was a lot of receivers. That was the best wide receiver class I think we've ever seen. I think so, and and it just didn't make sense to me. He was drafted above Judy, above Lamb, even Justin Jefferson was. I mean, even way Claypool. Look at the season Claypool yeah. had last season. Michael Pittman. I mean, all the guys that I think have had far better NFL careers and Henry Ruggs was taken first. It just, it amazed me. Um, I wondered though, what did they see in him? What is the trait that they want to, you know, bring out of him? It was one thing and one thing only speed. Al Davis, the late Al Davis Mm -hmm. liked his speed receivers and Mark Davis, his son is living on his legacy of his father by drafting Henry Ruggs, probably the fastest guy in that draft class. And that's exactly what it is. And until you know, this game, we really hadn't got – we really hadn't seen how that was implemented. But this last Sunday, they ran a lot of four and five verts. It seemed like every play there was four or five receivers running deep. they do like zigs mid-route and then continue vertically. But they were really pushing the Steelers that way. And those plays are designed for those speed guys, and that's where I think Ruggs can excel. 113 yards on five receptions and a touchdown. The touchdown was obviously the big um, bomb that he caught as Minka, Fit- Minka Fitzpatrick bit. Um, it was a good route by Ruggs, too. 22.5 yards per reception. But here's the thing. This is only Ruggs' second 100-yard receiving game. And, and this is by far, I think, his best one so far. But hopefully a step in the right direction. I think it... What it showed me is, you know what, maybe he needs a little more time to develop in um, to his role in the offense, pushing the field vertically or whatever it may be, whereas Judy and Lamb may have been more NFL ready. It just kind of reminded me, don't give up on rugs. Because I wanted to say this is just another John Ross. This is just another, you know, speed guy gone wrong. But maybe Ruggs does have a lot to offer. He could end up being their number one. You never know. Mm-hmm. He came out of that great Bama receiving core with Judy, with Waddle, with Smith. 
And while he was there, I mean, he balled out. He he was a uh, national champion in 2019. Um, on a, I mean, Bama's pretty much always the national champion. There's a few years like LSU, Clemson, but Bama is known to be those NFL-ready guys. And They're an NFL factory. They produce anywhere from seems like three to five first-round talents every year. And they've been cranking out those receivers the last couple of seasons. Uh, in high school, Ruggs played football, track, and basketball. So, you know, a multifaceted athlete. It sounds like on the football field, he kind of had his hand in everything. Maybe throwing the ball a little bit, receiving, kick returns, running, all of it. And I think that's what made Bama very interested in him. Um, he ran a 10.58-100-meter um, dash. That actually broke the Alabama High School Athletic Association's Class 7A record. So he broke a record in track. So clearly that speed has always been kind of his thing. 98 career receptions, 1,716 career yards, 24 receiving touchdowns when he finally made it to Bama. Uh, He chose Bama despite having 20 colleges interested in him. And I think it was just due to being in, you know, Bama's back. Local area, yep. Yep. In 2017, he was ranked as the second best high school football player in the state of Alabama. So that definitely helps. Um, He did have a rushing touchdown and a couple rushing attempts his junior season, which was his last season at Bama. The 24 aforementioned receiving touchdowns placed him third overall on Bama's all-time leaderboard. Henry Ruggs, a uh, cool thing about him is he honors his friend Roderick Scott after every touchdown with mm-hmm. a three-finger yep, salute. A three-finger salute, yeah. Scott wore number three on the field, and, you know, it's said that he was kind of the guy who in- encouraged Ruggs and was like, you have a, a talent and you should pursue football. He tragically passed away at the age of 17 to, to I believe, a car crash. Yeah, I, I remember reading that story, or I saw it on a college game day. They did a story on him in Ruggs' mm-hmm. last season. Uh, Ruggs actually was supposed to be in the car with him that day. They were, I think they were traveling to, like, a football camp or something, Damn. and Ruggs couldn't make it. And, and unfortunately, uh, Roderick Scott did pass away um, in that it's car crash. It's horrible, man. I can't, yeah. I can't imagine, you know, what that must feel like to – so, you know, have your friend pass away, but to know that you could have been there, maybe if you were in the car, things would have gone differently or, mm-hmm. you know, it's just that's got to be some of the worst pain you can feel. And I mean, Ruggs, he, he honoring his friend, it just made me respect his character a lot and and really kind of, you know, remind me that these NFL guys are are human, too, despite, you know, the the lifestyle, you know, they've been the media is crazy for these guys. You know what I mean? But at the end of the day, they're humans with emotions and we got to always keep that in mind. Another thing that he did that was really cool is during COVID, he got involved with three square. It's a food bank that was helping to donate food during the pandemic. So, you know, he's, he's involved with the community too. On May 7th of 2020, his daughter was born. So he's got a young family. But this past Sunday, Ruggs made made a huge play in the fourth quarter that helped propel them to that victory. They were only up two at that point when he got that bomb touchdown. And it just kind of made me think, okay, I had given up on Ruggs. I never really understood the pick over some of the other guys selected. But maybe Ruggs in his second or third season could develop into that number one target speed-wise. I think Waller is going to be the guy Carr goes to always. But don't Mm -hmm. count Ruggs out. I think he's still got a good career ahead of him and got to watch out for him in the future. Yeah, definitely. Big game for Henry Ruggs. Basically, it's probably one of his better games in his, you know, short NFL season as he hasn't really had a chance with the Raiders. 
Uh, my player of the week is KJ Osborne, a wide receiver for the Minnesota Vikings that had nine, five grabs for 91 yards and scored his first touchdown of the season in that 34 to 33 heartbreaking loss to the Arizona Cardinals. He is 24 years old uh, from Ypsilanti, Michigan. He went to college at the IMG Academy before attending the University of Miami. He's five foot 11, 203 pounds. He had seven grams for 76 yards against the Bengals in his week one win. Uh, 12 career grabs for 132 yards and a touchdown in about 18 or so games. He went to Lincoln High School before the move to IMG, which IMG obviously is one of the best schools in the nation high school-wise. Uh, he played at Buffalo University for three seasons before he transferred to Miami. His career as a Buffalo Bull, he had 96 grabs for 1,490 yards and 12 scores. 2019 saw him have 50 grabs, 547 yards, five touchdowns, while also doing kicks and punts. I obviously mentioned the last week that he had against the Bengals. Uh, it's just a good story in a stacked wide receiver room to have a fifth rounder in a second year do this. Obviously, you know, you have guys like Thielen, Jefferson, Irv Smith, uh, and then even Dalvin Cook and Alexander Madison getting involved in the pass game. For him to have mm-hmm. two games to begin the year with 75-plus receiving yards. Hopefully he can have a nice 500-yard season with maybe five to six touchdowns. Obviously, my guy's a little less, you know, lesser known, so I didn't have as much as you did on that. But Yeah, no, but a great, you know. Great, great story, story, nevertheless, yeah. yeah. All right, is there anything else you got before we wrap this up today? Excited for week three. Every every week that passes, though, I do feel a little bittersweet knowing that the NFL season is underway. It's just, and it's, 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 it's going to be over. It'll be almost over again. Yep, I know. But that's going to wrap it up, guys, for episode number 73. Thank you, as always, for listening. Don't forget to rate, review, and subscribe. We will find you. We will find us on any podcast platform as we will continue next week with episode number 74, breaking down week three in the NFL, previewing week four, and having another player spotlight. So thank you guys, as always, for listening, and we will talk to you next week.